0: Where is this Treks and Sci-Fi podcast? I just can't believe this is the right place. What was that? Now my mind is playing tricks on me. Oh no, please no. That must be it, that large, what? You gotta be kidding me. That large castle over there?
1: Welcome to the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast, everyone. I am Eureko, your scary host for this week, this special sci-fi scary Halloween podcast edition of Treks in Sci-Fi, and that is all I will do with that voice for the rest of the show, mostly. <laughs> all right, everyone, welcome to the show for this week. This is uh, podcast 408. It is October 28th, 2012. And that cool little intro there that uh, you just heard was made by our good friend Vartok. Uh, thanks so much for doing that. It was awesome. It gets us in the mood for this special, spooky, and scary edition of the show. This week, uh, yes, it's going to be a Halloween podcast. Going to cover a few of our usual topics uh, a little bit, but mostly it's going to be trying to uh, get us all in the mood for Halloween and uh, all the shenanigans and fun that we have at this time of year. I, I really enjoy Halloween quite a bit. I uh, typically I, I try to dress up. I I, I just uh, it, to me it's the you know it's a holiday that that I think people can you know still celebrate and have fun with as an adult. As well as of obviously growing up and trick or treating and all of that. And uh, it, it's just been a lot of fun. I, I really have a good time that night. Our, our neighborhood usually is, is very fun on Halloween. So I'm looking forward to doing a, a podcast and talking a little bit about that and some other things going on, along with our big topic or our main topic for this week. I was trying to think of what to cover for uh, this special Halloween cast. I've done some other uh, horror films in the past. We've done spooky stories, other things. And this week I decided, I'm I'm glad I decided this because I think it's going to really be a good one. And I watched it last night again and gathered some clips. Uh, I'm going to cover the horror film uh, An American Werewolf in London. I think this is a a great film. I think it still holds up real well, uh, even though it's about... uh, about 30 years old now, 31 years old, I think, since it came out, which is kind of amazing to me. Uh, but, um, yeah, we're going to cover that uh, today on the podcast as our special Halloween uh, edition of uh, Trex and Sci-Fi continues. A couple other things. I'm even going to probably uh, do a collectible. I got a new collectible that I'm going to cover probably later in today's podcast. So, uh, uh, oh, before I forget, too, because I'm going to get spinning off, I know, into talking about all kinds of crazy Halloween things. But thanks so much to uh, Jedi Jeff for doing that uh, very cool and very interesting podcast last weekend on Battle of the Planets, uh, a show that I've not really ever seen much of. I've seen a little bits here and there of it. Uh, but thanks so much for doing that, Jeff. Very, very good uh, and interesting and very uh, a great job, just as always you do. And uh, all the other guests as, as well always do a great job on the show and been really happy with that this year. So... Thanks again, Jeff. And, uh, well, let's get started. And to begin with, another little bit of intro for the show. I'm going to play a little music from the, uh, this is a little bit of stuff from the American Werewolf in London film. I think I'm going to play the, uh, the opening, uh, music for the film uh, that they use during it. And there's, there's, this is a great soundtrack for this film. Lots of good, uh, just orchestral music, but a lot, a lot of, uh, kind of upbeat songs and, and fun songs too that they included and I'll have more about talk more about that later in the show but here we go uh, with today's spooky and scary edition of Trex in Sci-Fi and when I looked, the moon had turned to
0: gold blue moon now I am no longer alone without a dream my heart, without a love of my own, and then there suddenly appeared before me the only one my arms will ever hold. I heard somebody whisper, "Please." Uh,
1: Okay, everyone, welcome to, again, the uh, podcast for this week. Uh, and that was uh, used in, in the beginning of the movie, An American Werewolf in London. Kind of uh, a lot of uh, cool kind of throwback music, even in the era when it came out. And uh, I'm going to get to that later, but I uh, I grabbed quite a few uh, of uh, bits of the songs that are played in the movie and clips from the movie as well. And we'll be discussing that soon on the podcast. How is everyone? I hope everyone's having a great uh week whenever you happen to listen to this sometimes earlier in the week sometimes maybe later maybe halloween's already come and gone and you're listening to this at some future date uh about halloween this week uh, or this year is on a wednesday kind of plunk in the middle of the week which is a little uh not the best maybe but we we you know i'm not somebody that likes it when they move holidays just for convenience i mean i think there's some times and days where you should just keep them where they're at and uh it's uh, it's really a fun holiday again, like I said, and I think it's something that everyone can enjoy. I hope they do, and and uh, you know, hey, be a kid again, or if if that's what it uh, means to you, and and dress up and have a little fun, if if you're listening to this before Halloween. And uh, speaking of that, the the first thing I was going to talk about is my little adventure the last few days towards the end of last week at work. The uh, uh, I may have mentioned this on last year's podcast. It was my first Halloween at uh, where I work now at NSF International. Plug, plug. <laughs> uh, anyway, no, not really. Why would I be advertising for a public health company here on a sci-fi podcast? Uh, why would I do that? But what uh, they do have there, they, they do a couple of pretty big events each year. They have a pretty big, nice, very nice and uh, spend a fair amount of money on anything. Christmas party offsite, and, and there. Are, keep in mind, this is a fairly large company, large number of people on the order of about 500 or so. So uh, they have that, and they also have a very large Halloween uh, event party thing. Uh, what they do is e- each of the different areas of uh, of the company, different groups, like you know the the you know marketing people, the business people. The chemistry area which i'm in they all have their own uh opportunity and you don't have to do it but most groups do i think they each each group gets to sort of come up with a theme for their area and then decide you know what what they're going to decorate a certain room in in the building uh under that kind of a theme and then the people who work in that area of course will are supposed to if they want to you don't have to of course Uh, But are supposed to dress up uh, under, you know, whatever that theme happens to be. Well, this year, and I was kind of part of the the process for for selecting the theme, that it was pretty voluntary. There was about maybe about six or eight of us. There was a meeting, and whoever wanted to come could, and and only about six or eight of us showed up out of the department. And it's a pretty big department. I don't know how many are in the chemistry department. 75 people, maybe, something like that? I don't know. Uh, But uh, they... They were taking ideas, and instead of what I thought was going to happen, they were going to take ideas and then have those get voted on in the company for Halloween for the event, for our group. Uh, They said, "Nope, we're going to decide right now what we're going to do." And out of the, we're going to throw out some ideas here, and then the, you know, the group, the small group of us that showed up, are going to are going to kind of vote and pick the best one that we want. Anyway, we ended up with uh, doing it on superheroes. Uh, and uh, you know anything sort of comic book superhero because it's pretty big these days obviously with the Avengers movie this past summer, the other Marvel films now there's talk about a uh, a Justice League movie if you haven't heard yet uh, there's going to be a justice League movie. it's it's on it's on the slate. It, it's been approved I guess for the summer of 2015, which is also happens to be the same summer that the next Avengers film is supposed to come out. So that's going to be interesting. We'll see if they're... If they at all... When they do come out, if they come out close to each other, I don't think that would be the case. It seems silly to do that. Um, You know, I've always think it's strange when you put a McDonald's across the street from a Burger King, but that's just me, so... Uh, But yeah, there's going to do a Justice League movie. So back to this Halloween thing. So the, the... The theme for our area was superheroes, which of course, for somebody like me, is 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 gold. You know, it's like gold, Jerry. (laughs) It is a a good uh, a good theme for somebody like me. I was hoping for maybe just Hollywood slash movies, because I think then you could just do anything, right? You could be Captain America, you you could be you know you could be James Bond, you could be Indiana Jones, you, you could you could do lots of different things. You could be a Star Wars or a Star Trek character. But uh, they decided it was superheroes, and for a while, uh, and and way back in the day, you know, I'm fairly tall, uh, not super like bulked up, but I I can fill out a suit pretty good. So, um, you know, I've been told kind of over the years, especially when my hair was a little darker, and we'll get more to that later uh, in a in a minute or two, uh, that I you know had a had a you know kind of a Christopher Reeves sl- Christopher Reeve slash Superman slash Clark Kent kind of look to me, and I, I could see that. So, what I decided to do, since I had a, uh, a pretty good Superman shirt, long sleeve blue, you know, with the emblem, more of a Christopher Reeve-style look around, and I didn't want to go out full Superman cape and all that and wear, you know, that all day. That would have been kind of awkward, I think, <laughs> but uh, I decided to do Clark Kent. I decided to have the shirt on underneath, you know, my, my suit coat, and I even made a little Clark Kent press badge. To put on my uh, uh you know on the pocket of my suit i have a really good hat that's uh that looks you know kind of 50s, 60s era style for fedora kind of a gray fedora that looks very clark kent type uh, that he would wear and i also uh, i'm i'm just slightly nearsighted so i have a couple of pairs of glasses around and uh the uh i have a dark rimmed pair that that look pretty clark kent like so i had glasses i was all set there but the kicker of this whole process is I have a fair amount of gray hair these days. I, there's still some dark hair in there, too, but it's a mix, as they say, salt and pepper. So um, what I decided to do, the, the party was on Friday, and I decided to uh, take a plunge and, <laughs> and basically stop by the drugstore on my drive home that day and uh, on Thursday evening before the party on Friday and grabbed one of those uh, men hair kit things and dyed my hair pretty dark, pretty dark brown. I didn't go black. I was a little worried that would be too extreme, even though my my normal hair color is probably pretty darn close to black. Uh, it probably is I wouldn't call it completely black, but it's it's pretty close to that. more more brown more black than brown. But I was scared that if I got black it would have looked too intense or something. but uh, so I got this dark brown hair color kit came home you know kind of uh you know got the nerve up even though lynn was like do you really want to do that (laughs) and uh, i dyed my hair and it was it it actually turned out okay you know the worst thing about those little stupid hair dye kits there's a couple things that you know for all those guys listening whoever if you think about ever trying to do this or even women uh two two things to keep in mind if you mess around with that stuff first off man it, it it gets everywhere and stains everything so Be careful around your sinks and and in your bathroom. Little spots here or there seem to pop up. Uh, So because it's this liquid you basically put on your head and then you got to let it sit there for a couple minutes. And um, but the but the other bigger thing that's annoying with this stuff is if it gets, you know, it's hard to put this all on your head cover all the back and the front without kind of looking around and it's a little awkward and uh but the other thing is if it gets a little bit of on your skin it kind of stains your skin and you kind of have to like rub that off which i managed to get off with a little like rubbing alcohol you know near the hairline where it's touching the skin that's kind of irritating and a little bit of a pain to deal with but i managed anyway so uh so the uh the party on friday uh was pretty good we had a a fair number of people in the chemistry lab area that dressed up, but I think people were pretty shocked <laughs> that I went as far as, you know, I could have bought like a dark wig or something and, and, and slipped it on my head, but I then I went as far as doing this hair kit thing, and I probably didn't look close enough. There was probably another kit, but I ended up buying this stuff that, that it's, it's pretty darn permanent. It, it's it's It'll eventually sort of wash its way out, and of course, as my hair grows out and back, my normal hair color will come back in, but and this is all very fascinating for a sci-fi podcast. But I have kind of decided to to just let it go. I, I've looked online. I guess there are certain other products you can buy in the drugstore. There are some home things. You can even use a little bit of vinegar mixed with water and try to remove it and all. But I'm not going to really bother. I, I tend to occasionally get my hair cut pretty short, so I'm probably just going to leave it alone. And then in maybe a week or two, I'll just get my hair cut really short, and by then it'll stuff will have washed out a bit and and that but for the next week or two i'm gonna have pretty weird looking dark hair <laughs> weird for me i guess and but you know what the thing is about it that surprised me and then i'm gonna move on to to real stuff and we'll get into the movie uh is that people didn't seem to mind it they said it looked pretty good so i was like i i thought i'd get a little taunted and teased but we'll see that was on halloween party day we'll see on uh I was just kind of making a joke out of it saying, no, no, the rest of the time my hair has that gray in it. I dye it gray, but this is my normal look, you know, so. So anyway, if you are interested to see a couple of photos from all this, uh, fun and uh, frolics, uh, I have a couple of p- pictures posted up on on Facebook, on the uh, Trex and Sci-Fi Facebook group, also on the forum as well. So go to the, you know, if you're not a Facebook uh, on our Trex and Sci-Fi group, just ask to to join the group, and I'll add you, or join the forum, and you can see some pictures there. I'm also going to try to put up in the next, maybe a few hours later today after the podcast, put up some more pictures from the party itself at work. Uh, If you go to Facebook, NSF International, they usually put pictures up there as well from i know they have uh they didn't have much up yet for this year's party and i'm sure they will but uh there's some up from last year it it seemed like people were a little less uh, uh, participated a little less this year than they have in the past but it's it's good and i'd say it's about the biggest halloween type event for a workplace that i've ever seen Uh, you know sometimes places will let you know people dress up maybe a little bit but they they go all out they have prizes uh, they have contests. They, they go around and judge the different setups and rooms people do for Halloween. So it's, it's, it's pretty cool, and uh, I really enjoy it. So, uh, so anyway, that's my story. <laughs> and that's my big Halloween um, event this year. And uh, uh, let's uh, take a short break. I'm going to talk just a little bit about a couple other things, movies and TV, a little bit, tiny, tiny bit. And then we're going to get right into An American Werewolf in London. Boo! Okay, I am back now. Rico is back for more Halloween fun and goodness. Or talking about movies and TV a little bit. Uh, a couple things on movies. I, I haven't seen Cloud Atlas yet. I do want to get out and see it. It's a long movie, though. I, I looked. It's it's pushing three hours long. Is that right? Uh, uh, a little less than that. Maybe 10, 15 minutes, 2 hours, 45. Uh, it, looks, uh, it looks interesting. I've heard a couple of things about, some opinions about it so far. I mean, it's it's something that I definitely have to see at the theater. I'm going to try to go, I think, next weekend. This weekend just didn't work out, uh, but I think next weekend, next Saturday, I should be able to get out to see it when I have a little bit more time. Um, So I want to see that. We, of course, have James Bond in a couple of weeks, in the States is coming out. It looks like guys in the U.K. already got it. Buggers. Anyway, (laughs) uh, I think this is really going to be a good movie. I mean, I'm hearing a lot of good early positive feedback from people that I know, and just i think i'm really looking forward to it a lot uh i think uh it's been too long since we've had a good james bond movie well not that the last one the last one i didn't think was as good as the first daniel craig one so i'm really thinking uh, that they've kicked it up and and this one's going to be great so uh and uh what else i think movie wise there was something else i was going to say something about the uh cloud atlas is out then we've uh yeah james bond's coming i guess that was about all that i needed to say about uh, theater stuff going on i haven't seen that much lately i think the last thing i went out to see at the theaters was was taken taken two was the last movie i went out to see uh anybody out there watch that mockingbird lane pilot on friday i i have it but i don't i don't have uh or i haven't had time to watch it yet so uh i'm not sure what the chances are that's going to turn into a full tv series I, I i don't really know but uh and uh and that's about it there wasn't much trek news to talk about this week so we don't have that uh Nothing going on with the movie there, you know. Oh, I know what the other movie thing I want to talk about is, the Iron Man 3 trailer. That's what I wanted to cover. That is awesome. I mean, if you haven't watched it yet, go over to YouTube. I also posted it on the Sci-Fi.com main website. Uh, just uh, check it out. It's a couple minutes long. Uh, this is, how, to me, how to build excitement for the movie. The movie comes out in early May next year, so it's not that far away. And uh, this movie looks looks pretty serious. It looks kind of dark and grittier than the other uh, Iron Man films have been. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to this a lot. If this is an indication of what the movie itself is going to be like, I think it's going to be fantastic. I'm, I'm, I'm really, really excited now by what, I see, what I'm seeing here. So that uh, is coming out, I think it's like May 3rd, 2013. And of course, two weeks right after that, we get the Star Trek movie. Maybe we'll get a trailer like with Iron Man 3 when it's out. 2 weeks before the Star Trek movie comes out. <laughs> you know, JJ, come on. Give us a freaking trailer already. So, uh, please, please. I I mean just something. I don't care if they're building the Enterprise again in dry dock or whatever. Uh, you know, tone down those engine sizes though a little bit in that engineering room, okay? All right, enough on that uh, TV. It's about uh, I'm about the same with most of the shows I've been watching. Everything's pretty good. Arrow continues to be really good. If you're not watching Arrow, I think the third episode just aired this week. Uh, there's some pretty big things that happened in the most recent episode, so that's all I'm going to say. So, I, I think this show to me is is probably my favorite of the new the new stuff uh, this year. Still got to watch last resort the the sub drama from this week i didn't watch that yet i kind of am having a little tv trouble this week because my tivo my five-year-old hd tivo uh died out on me i think the power supply went so i'm uh in the process of deciding which of the new newer models to buy and whether to buy it like at a best buy or buy it online i can save a little money off amazon if i buy it there but i'm kind of anxious to get one although amazon i have two day Uh, Amazon Prime shipping, so even if I ordered it today, Sunday, I'd have it like Tuesday, so I'll probably do that. but uh, So that's kind of messed up my TV viewing for this week. So, uh, But uh, it's amazing how much stuff that you can just watch online for free easily. Hulu, I also found out Big Bang Theory, which had an awesome episode on Thursday. I just go to CBS. I don't think they were doing this until recently, but I watched the, the most recent episode, the Halloween episode of The Big Bang Theory, just from a few days ago on CBS.com, uh, completely commercial-free. I, I didn't even realize they were, first, I didn't realize they were streaming them on there that soon after they aired, and I didn't realize they would. it would be commercial-free. I don't know if that was a fluke or, or what's going on, but uh, it was great, and the quality was pretty good. I don't think the quality, the video quality of it was quite up to what Hulu is, and I didn't notice any kind of a setting for it. I just watched it on my computer uh, rate right directly online, so there was no wireless involved or anything like that, but Really good, uh, really good, to, and, and cool to watch. That a lot of stuff you can just watch easily online these days. So, okay, that's it. Let's get into an American Werewolf in London. The I'm gonna just I think I'm just gonna dive right into it. I, I think is, is probably the best way to do this, and I'll, I'll I'll play a clip and that'll be our our first break. Uh, this movie, an American Werewolf in London, it's a 1981 comedy horror film written and directed by John Landis and starring David Naughton, Jenny agutter Is that how you say her last name? Jenny Jenny Agutter, Augutter? I don't know. <laughs> she was in Logan's Run. What do you want? And uh, she was Jessica in Logan's Run. And then, of course, Griffin Dunn is in this as well. This movie came out in, uh, on August 21st, 1981. So, yeah, it's about 31 years old now. And am I doing the math there right? Yeah, 31 this past August. It was uh, only had a, a pretty quick running time, 97 minutes. It had a budget of only $10 million and made about uh, 60, $62 million at the box office. So those don't sound like huge numbers, but that's a pretty big success. I mean, that's six times its budget it made. So keep in mind, if you had a movie that came out today, cost 2000000 million, let's say it cost $200 million to make, it would have to make, you know, uh, a billion two hundred million to to be that kind of percentage increase, you know. So they did pretty good here, I'd say, uh, pretty successful. It, it's it's a R-rated movie, and uh, you know, there's some obviously some pretty strong horror uh, and and you know elements to it, as well as some language too and, and some nudity a little bit here and there. So uh, this is not a movie for the little kids. Not a movie. I mean, it's been edited down. You know, you can probably find an edited version of it to watch it on, on TV if kids are around, but I would highly suggest if you've got little kids, find a time you can watch it on your own and watch the real version of it, the R version, because it, it's not the same edited. I, I, I think editing something like this kind of a movie is just going to really change it a lot. So. Anyway, like I said, written and directed by John Landis. This is a a great movie. It has elements of horror, comedy, some great music, pretty good performances, I I think, by everyone in it. Uh, And it's different. It is not, uh, and I don't think there's been a lot of other horror movies that kind of had this tone or or this kind of feel to them since this time there was a few others at this time gremlins would be have a sort of a similar comedy horror element to them but they don't really do this they everything these days is paranormal this and you know blair witch that and shaky cam you know over there it, they don't do this kind of a horror film anymore which the, i think people's emotions you know being scared you are a little bit on the edge anyway and 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 comedy comes out in those times i think kind of naturally and i think it's a it's a perfect mix and i, I just really enjoy this movie i enjoyed i watched it again from start to finish last night uh to get a, a another fresh new look at it and i uh, also did did it to uh so i could gather some clips basically the the premise of this story is a couple of uh college age kids are sort of on a uh, uh a traveling trip around europe and they happen to be in england and um they're taking a little holiday, backpacking around. I, I guess it's probably supposed to be, you know, in between uh, school time, or maybe this is before they start college. They don't really get into a specific detail that I can say there. All I know is they're they're on a little. These two buddies uh, together are on this trip. It's David uh, David Kessler, who is played by David Naughton. Uh, they kept his first name the same. That's kind of I I, I kind of like it when they do that a little bit. It works here. And and Jack Goodman, his his good buddy, who's um, played—that's Griffin Dunn's character. These two guys are are through the Yorkshire moors, and they are backpacking around, and da-da-da-da-da. And the the weather starts to get bad, and they're out there, and no one else is around. And so they uh, end up—I'm just going to kind of go through the movie with clips and talk about it as I go and bring up some other things. They end up at this little pub kind of— that's uh you know off the beaten way and it's called the name of the pub is the slaughtered lamb and it's 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 a fairly pretty uninviting kind of place (laughs) especially for two two american kids uh with all these uh these people uh who look like they're a little a little scary and and aren't all that friendly as they walk into this pub uh here uh called the slaughtered lamb oh thank you
0: great you just can't let them go?
1: Go. Stay
0: on the road. Keep clear to the moors. Thank you. Beware the moonlights. Yeah. What the hell was that all about? I don't know. Let's go up the road and see if there's an inn or something beware the moon yeah i know jack come on we am freezing where the hell are we going well, anywhere i just want to get away from the slaughtered land uh, where to now kessler <clears throat> duck's breath okay look at i'm sorry
1: yeah so these guys are like uh yeah you, you we don't have any food here there's no place to stay or sleep for the night uh and uh, why don't you be on your way but stay off the moors stay off the moors lads and also, uh, beware the moon, you know. So it's like, uh, okay, whatever that means. <laughs> the the two characters, David's kind of the more uh, a little more rational and 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 less ruffled by it, other than his um, David's uh, the David Danton character. Uh, other than his his friend Jack, who's who's kind of. Uh, he's kind of the the sidekick kick in a way I think between the two guys uh here let me give you a little bit of background more on the film itself uh, John landis who was a you know he was very very uh had become a, a pretty big uh writer director Back in that era, he did the Blues Brothers and and did a lot of cool uh, stuff that started to form a a pretty good reputation. Anyway, he came up with this story. He'd been working in film for a while, way back uh, in like 1969, 1970, uh, when he was working in Yugoslavia as a production assistant on a film called Kelly's Heroes, which uh, also uh, is a cool movie uh, with Clint Eastwood and a bunch of others. He uh, the story goes that he and a Yugoslavian uh, crew member they were driving back uh, in 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 the back of a car when they on a location and when they came across a group of gypsies and the gypsies were performing this ritual on a man uh, who was being buried so that he would not rise again from the grave and this made Landis realize you know he would never be able to. uh, confront the undead if they were if they were able to come back and like haunt him and and it also gave me idea where a certain you know he'd do a film where a man would have to do this similar thing and i'll I'll talk more about how that plays into the american werewolf in london film he entered a couple couple uh, minutes he wrote the first draft right around that same time around 1969 1970 and uh, it basically just sat on the shelf for like a 10 year period of time and then uh, two years after that, though, Landis wrote and directed a, his debut film called Schlock. And he started to develop a following, and this gave him some status and some clout. Like I said, he did, uh, he did the first, um, the, uh, the Blues Brothers movie, the first, did uh, this other movie called Kentucky Fried Movie. He did uh, National Lampoon's Animal House. So he started to have some pretty good, pretty good stories, uh, pretty good hits. At the at the movies, and this allowed him to get 10 million dollars for financing to, to make American Werewolf and American Werewolf in London, uh, although the financiers, they were a little bit concerned because they, they just didn't get it when they read the script. They thought it would uh, it wouldn't really work as a comedy. It would be too frightening and it also wouldn't work as a horror film because it would be too funny and and landis really really understood that those emotions kind of bounce around i think for people and, and they work well together and it's not like it's uh, they're they're making a joke of the horror here at, uh, at all it, it it's just it's hard to describe you really got to watch the movie to understand what i'm talking about but it's just those little elements, again, like if, you, if you've if you seen this movie, if you've seen uh, Gremlins, you probably know what I'm talking about. Even The Goonies has this sort of uh, a similar kind of tone, I think, to a, to a degree. Uh, the big thing about this movie, and I guess I might as well mention it right now, uh, the, the really big thing about this is uh, uh, and a really uh, Oscar-winning uh, special effects makeup expert, Rick Baker, who has worked on ape makeup in movies over the years and lots of other things. Uh, at this, um, stage of, of makeup, uh, they decided they really wanted to show, uh, someone changing into a werewolf. They really, they didn't want to like, you know, cut away and have some fur, glue some fur to a guy and, and make him still walk upright and look like a guy who just hadn't shaved for a few days. You know, they, they wanted to show really what it would be like to be Transformed into this huge wolf-like beast, uh, a a man, a person being turned into that, and and not really jump with the camera, show how your you know your body would change and go through all that. Well, I'll talk a lot more about that when we get to that point of the movie. Um, but uh, the, because of all that, the um, uh, the uh, Rick Baker and in in this movie won uh, uh, an achievement and an Academy Award, outstanding makeup. Uh, sorry, outstanding achievement in makeup. In the first year that that uh, category was put into uh, the the uh, Academy Awards, so it's it's uh, you know a testament I think to how how amazing and how great and it still holds up I believe uh, when I watched it again last night, how amazing the makeup is done in this movie and the prosthetics and the mechanics and everything and and it's just a really really good job, you know these days if they did something like that it would all be done with CGI, so keep in mind if you if you've not seen this movie or remembering when you did see it everything they did here this is not cgi there is no computer generated anything that i know of in this movie this is done with real stuff you know and uh you know makeup and latex and prosthetics and a lot of caro syrup and and fur and 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 all that and it's it's amazing it's incredible but i'm kind of getting a little bit of ahead of myself but i wanted to mention that uh, just to show i think that that's kind of a big thing in this movie uh and uh and you and you see it pretty good you interesting thing though is you see the transformation but you don't see the full wolf a whole lot in this movie so um, you know that's something uh, that i thought was interesting about it anyway let's go back to the movie itself so the guys are running away from the slaughtered lamb and trying to find uh, a place to hang out and uh and then uh of course you know as time goes on they're they're walking along and they hear some more howls and things so i I think that's what my next clip is about
0: did you hear that i heard that what was it could be a lot of things yeah a coyote there aren't any coyotes in england the hound of the baskervilles Pico's bill? Heathcliff. Heathcliff didn't help. No, but he was on the moors. (laughs) It's a full moon. Beware Beware the the moon. And stick to the road. Oops. I vote we go back to the
1: slaughtered land. Yeah. I want to say uh, a couple things, too, about uh, the the movie. This is a fairly, like I said earlier, it's a pretty intense movie. There's some pretty graphic violence, and, and I think it's, uh, you know, compared to some movies these days, they, they put it right in your face pretty much. And uh, the next clip that I've got for you is when um, they get attacked, of course. The werewolf shows up uh and uh, attacks the two guys uh, and and really goes after basically David's David's friend uh, played by Griffin Dunn goes after Jack and and the uh, the interesting thing about that scene and I'll, I'll play it for you here in a second and it's it's hard to get across in the audio so I'm explaining it a little bit but David uh, when, when the, the, the wolf shows up and attacks his friend, David just runs away. He doesn't try to stop it, save his friend. He, he kind of panics. And I think that's a very real reaction. You know, I, I, I think that that fits... Uh, well, And I, I think sometimes these days people try to, you know, oh, I'll be a hero. Everybody will be a hero. But I think when you if you're really presented with that situation, I mean, this thing has got his friend down pretty good anyway. There's probably not much he could do. And, and it's like save yourself at that point. And, and, and it makes sense, it, although he does eventually as he's running off, he, 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 he kind of has a second, you know, a change of heart. And then he heads back to his friend. But, of course, it's too late.
0: You gonna help me up or what? (laughs) 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 (laughs)
1: So, uh, so Jack is pretty torn up, uh, and uh, the, these guys, uh, some of the guys from the Slaughtered Lamb, show up and shoot the wolf, and as David sort of, he gets slightly attacked, he gets kind of grabbed at first when he goes back to try to check on Jaff. Jack, sorry, Jaff. <laughs> and and they, they shoot the wolf and, and, and stop the attack on David, but he still gets a little scratched up, and as he's sort of passing out from it, uh, he looks over, and the guy that they have shot, the wolf, that they have shot has now changed back into what looks like a, a naked guy laying on the ground there with these bullets in him so uh one of the things that i'll mention right now at this stage i guess is a, the thing i also like about this movie uh, i like a lot of things about it but there's nothing about the special about having to kill the wolf these guys just have shotguns and and rifles and things and they just shoot them they're they they do not need you know, wolves bane or, or hemlock or, or silver bullets or, or anything weird like that. So holy water, who knows, whatever that they, they just shoot him and he's dead. So it, it's, uh, I, I, I like that the simplicity of that part, you know, the wolf is the fantastical element in here and to kill him isn't anything, you know, it's hard to do, you know, because he'd be strong and fast and, and, and whatever, but, and you wouldn't want to get close enough to maybe even shoot him. But in this case, when he's, attacking someone else they have a chance to do that and uh uh the uh, of course david though then wakes up later and learns about uh, what has happened to um, to him and his friend and he's in a hospital in london so i think that's what's coming up next here Hospital in london
0: london where's jack david i'd like you to prepare yourself your friend is dead. What? Ow, oh. shit. Jack is dead? Hi, I'm Mr. Collins of the American Embassy here in Grosvenor Square. Both Mr. Goodman's parents and your parents have been notified of your injuries and everything's in order. Who are you people? What's going on here? Where's Jack? Get your hands off me. Oh, me. I want to see Jack. Nurse. I want to see Mr. Jack. Kessler. I, I appreciate how upsetting this must be. For you, please, Mr. Kessler. Uh, Twenty milligrams, Sargital, IV, please. I appreciate how how upset you are, but but this is this is no reason for hysterics, uh, Mr. Kessler. Mr. Kessler, try not to excite yourself. I shall come back and check on your progress and send a report to your parents. The police have requested to interview you and i have given them permission to do so thank you very much mr collins he'll rest now i'm sure everything will be fine once he's adjusted
1: yeah i like the uh, this mr collins character from the american embassy there he's like you know you just been you just told this kid that his friend's been killed he's in this hospital in london and he's like that's no reason for being you know hysterical or anything or get into you know all worked up i'm like if that's no reason i don't know what is okay the uh, uh, an interesting little thing here, the guy playing Mr. Collins in this movie, the guy from the American Embassy, is actually Frank Oz, the, the Muppet guy, the guy who performed Yoda in Empire Strikes Back. And, and you know, w- well known to us geeks, you know, Frank Oz, uh, this was a period of time, uh, both uh, John, Landis, John Landis and Frank Oz uh, have some scenes, uh, some little cameos kind of in this movie. Well, Frank Oz actually has a little bit more than a cameo there. Uh, But John Landis, the writer and director, he he always liked to. He was kind of like an Alfred Hitchcock fan, I think, where he liked to put himself in in a in a scene, you know, and maybe a a background character and everything. And so he's uh, he's in this movie in a couple little uh, parts. There's a according to the cast list, John Landis plays a man smashed in window. So I think that's happening in the um, near the end of the movie in Piccadilly Circus. Is that what it's called? Piccadilly Circus or Piccadilly Square? Something like that. I'll look that up in a minute. I can never remember. Piccadilly Circus, I think. Um, But uh, but yeah, so Frank Oz is the is the American embassy guy here. The other thing I was going to say about David Naughton's character, David Kessler here, who becomes the American werewolf in London uh, because he's been attacked and bitten and scratched by the werewolf. And so he's going to change when the full moon comes. I mean, yes, of course, we all know that, right? Uh, but David Naughton was uh, he was becoming fairly popular at this time. He had done a uh, Dr. Pepper commercial with a song in it uh, that uh, was called uh, I'm a Pepper, You're a Pepper, Wouldn't You Like to Be a Pepper? Uh, and uh, the funny thing about that, John Landis uh, actually saw the commercial and thought that he'd be good for this role in this, uh, in this movie. Uh, but when uh, they were having to do a lot of body casting of, of David Naughton to uh, to create uh, the prosthetics that he was going to have put on him for the werewolf transformation and, and David Naughton I guess uh, the, the, the crew while he was while he was being cast you know with his plaster all around him and everything like that, the crew danced around David while he was being uh, body cast and uh, he they all sang like I'm a werewolf, you're a werewolf wouldn't like wouldn't you like to be a werewolf too? Uh, since he was this, he had this very popular commercial and ad campaign for Dr Pepper. Uh, so I thought that was kind of funny. I'm going to slide this in now too. The uh, this uh, was actually uh, of later on in 1997. The BBC, so UK, UK listeners may know of this, perhaps maybe you've heard it or know about it. But there was a radio adaptation of this film that was broadcast around 1980. Uh, sorry, 1997 on BBC Radio One. Uh, it was uh, written directed by a guy named Dirk Maggs, and Jenny Augutter was back, uh, Brian Glover was back, and, and John Woodvine reprising the roles uh, of Alex Price. Alex is, the, is, the, is Jenny's character, uh, who is one of the nurses at the hospital where David is recovering, and they kind of get together and fall in love, but more about that soon. There, there's a chess player, Is the Brian Glover, and John Woodvine uh, is the um, Dr. Hirsch character who, who kind of tries to figure all this out. They didn't have two either the two main guys. They didn't have David Naughton back for David's character, and they didn't have Griffin Dunn back for Jack at all. So, uh, The funny thing, or one of the interesting things about this movie, is, is it's not just about him being bit and then changing into werewolf and all that happens. The other little thing that happens in this is, is David starts to have these dreams and visions and things like that. And one of the things that starts to happen to him is his friend Jack, who got chewed up by this werewolf, starts to pay him visits basically he comes back uh, as a spirit or something and and of course only david can see him but he he serves a couple of purposes one it's it's really weird and really different because when they bring him and show him he he is all ripped up looking so there's another chance there for a lot of cool makeup effects Uh, and, but the other purpose that his friend Jack serves is coming back is he sort of explains to David the situation and, uh, and what has happened to him, what has happened to Jack and and what is also going to happen to David soon.
0: Am I asleep now, awake, or what?
1: I realize I don't look so hot, David,
0: but I thought you'd be glad to see me. David, you're hurting my feelings. Hurting your feelings? Has it occurred to you that it might be unsettling to see you rise from the grave to visit me? Sorry to be upsetting you, David. But I had to come. Aren't you supposed to be buried someplace in New York? Yeah. Your parents came to my funeral. I was surprised at how many people came. Why should you be surprised? You were a very well-liked person. Yeah, I was, wasn't I? Well, I liked you. Debbie Klein cried a lot. Oh, God, am I asleep now or what? So. So you know what she does? She's so grief-stricken. She runs to find solace in Mark Levine's bed. Mark Levine? Life mocks me even in death. I'm going completely crazy. David! What? Now, I'm really sorry to be upsetting you, but I have to warn you. Warn me? We were attacked by a werewolf. I'm not listening to this. On the moors, we were attacked by a lycanthrope, a werewolf. I was murdered, an unnatural death. And now I walk the earth in limbo until the werewolf's curse is lifted. Shut up. The wolf's bloodline must be severed. The last remaining werewolf must be destroyed. It's you, David. What? Please, believe me. You'll kill people. Nurse! Listen to me! Nurse! The supernatural, the power of darkness, it's all true. The undead surround me. Have you ever talked to a corpse? It's boring. I'm lonely. Take your life, David. Kill yourself before you kill others
1: yeah so the like i said his friend jack gets to explain the situation to him and say that you know if anyone that um that was just injured or bitten or scratched by the werewolf would come back as a werewolf so any of those that are still around that bloodline of the wolf is still out there those guys in the moors uh killed the werewolf the other one that attacked jack and david but david's still around and he's going to change when the full moon happens and of course Seeing his dead friend, he he thinks he at first he's just kind of losing his mind and and he's having all these dreams too, which is another part of this movie that's interesting is that he is obviously uh, seeing sort of what it would be like to be a wolf uh, and and running through the woods and, and all of that and and it's uh, it's it's really cool parts of the movie they they try to do some filming from an animal's perspective where the camera is down low running through the woods and uh, I really like it and uh, the um, a side note about this movie is Michael Jackson, you know, had created that uh, or did that thriller music video and song that was, is, is still hugely popular. I really, it, it's a favorite thing of mine, especially at Halloween time. And uh, Michael Jackson loved this movie, loved American Werewolf in London. And this movie is what, uh, what led him to, uh, to contact John Landis. And John Landis worked on a thriller with Michael Jackson. So there's, uh, you know, without this movie, you wouldn't have gotten Michael Jackson's Thriller, uh, the music video, and, you know, him working with Landis. He, he, it was a, a good combination uh, that, uh, anyway, there um, the, that's, uh, you know, something just is a little side piece uh, for this. Uh, next, uh, I don't have, uh, I guess we go right into some music here. I'm going to play a little bit more. Like I talked to you about earlier, the soundtrack. There's a lot of really cool songs in, in, in this, uh, in this uh, movie. Unfortunately, they don't have Warren Zevon's "Werewolves of London," which would be perfect, really. But they didn't—they didn't get that one in there. But there's a lot of things with "moon" in the title or something like that. Uh, and uh, "Bad Moon Rising" is in. And uh, the next one, I'm going to play a little bit of this. Eventually, David has is discharged from the hospital, and uh, Alex Jenny Jenny uh, character is uh, kind of taken with him and feels kind of sorry for him, I think, a little bit. So she invites him to kind of stay with her at her her flat in London. and uh, and then uh, they, you know, they kind of become romantically involved. And after they first uh, get back to the flat and, and she kind of shows them around, they pretty much, you know, decide to, you know, hop in bed, take a shower together and that. And during that sequence, is uh, Van Morrison's Moondance is played, and I'm going to play a little bit of that song for you now. Uh, A side thing for that is uh, Moondance, the song, always reminds me of, of college because in our cafeteria in college there was a piano and there was a guy, usually it was just on the weekends, but there was a guy, I think it was a student actually, who played very, very well. Uh, he was an Asian guy, and uh, not that they can't play piano or can play piano, I'm just mentioning that as a side thing. But but anyway, he would play Moon Dance a lot, so uh, I thought that was interesting, but I'll play a little bit of that for you right now.
0: I'll be perfectly honest with you, David. I'm not in the habit of bringing home stray young American men. Well, I should hope not. I find you very attractive and a little bit sad. Go on. I've had seven lovers in my life, three of which were one-night stands. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but... Perhaps you'd like to watch telly whilst I take a shower. It's a marvelous night for a moon dance With the stars above in your eyes I've night to make romance beneath the cover of a tourist sky You know the leaves on the trees are falling
1: To the sound of the breezes that blow You know, I'm trying to please to the calling Of your heartstrings that place
0: up below You know the night to in in all the to in your
1: yeah, that's a good song. Like I said, it brings me back kind of to, to college time. Uh, the uh, Yeah, all the songs, the, the vocal uh, songs, not just the music, but the vocal songs all have the word moon in the title of the songs. He actually, John Landis wanted three other songs he couldn't get into the movie. Um, there was Cat Stevens' Moon Shadow, uh, and uh, Bob Dylan wouldn't let uh, his version of Blue Moon in uh, because it's an R-rated movie. And he had a brief uh, fling with Christianity, Bob Dylan, so at that time he didn't want his song to be in an R-rated movie. And Elvis uh, Presley's Blue Moon was unavailable uh, because of lawsuits and his estate and everything. So, uh, But there are others that, uh, like I said, they tried to get in. the uh, The... The, the interesting thing, let me go back a little bit. I'll talk uh, something, a side thing about the casting. Uh, studio execs actually wanted John Landis to can, cast uh, Dan Aykroyd in, in the role of David and uh, John Belushi uh, as Jack. So can you imagine that for you guys who know the Blues Brothers? You know the two Blues Brothers guys, Dan Aykroyd uh, being th- this romantic werewolf lead. And then John Belushi as Jack. I think John Belushi could work as Jack. I'm not so sure about Dan Aykroyd as David. It would be my bigger question, actually. Uh, but I, I think it was much better off with the two guys they got for this, Griffin Dunn uh, and David Naughton, who have, have gone on to have very you know good, successful, long careers, too. Uh, I know Griffin Dunn has, has done a lot of, uh, I think, directing, too, uh, and behind-the-scenes stuff. So the... Uh, next thing i wanted to play for you the next clip uh, i think this is david talking to uh, uh, alex talking to jenny's character uh, about the wolf a little bit
0: did you ever see the wolf man is that the one with oliver reed no the old one mm, I, I don't think so bella lugosi bites lon cheney jr and he turns into a werewolf <laughs> why are you telling me that? listen Claude Rains is Lon Chaney's father, and he ends up killing him. So? Well, I think that a werewolf can only be killed by someone who loves him. What are you talking about? I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm torn between feeling very sorry for you and finding you terribly attractive.
1: Yeah, that's kind of an interesting scene there that it makes you think that, you know, Alex, since Alex eventually, you know, kind of falls in love with David and David falls in love with Alex, that she's going to have to somehow be involved in, in, in stopping him. Uh, and uh, it kind of turns out to be sort of true in a way. Uh, I'll talk more about that here in a few moments. Uh, we're kind of winding down towards the end a little bit, but uh, I'll play a little bit more, another little musical uh, entry here from this movie, because, again, I think the soundtrack's fantastic. It, not just the s- in- instrumental uh, other music, but the songs that they picked, too. And this one is very, very appropriate. It. Uh, this is a scene, I think Alex goes into work, and David's kind of... Uh, trying to decide what to do walking around kind of pacing around the, her place and they play this song uh bad moon rising which is very uh fitting because uh the full moon it comes up that night later on <laughs>
0: I'm not hungry. I smell the blood of an Englishman. I'm
1: still not hungry. Yeah, again, I enjoy a lot of the music here. All, all of it basically is great. Uh, it really works in the movie. The um, the transformation scene is pretty much what comes up next and uh i didn't really gather or grab an audio of this because you just hear basically david screaming in pain and kind of crunching noises and things like that as he is transformed when the full moon comes out into the werewolf uh but i'll tell you a little bit about the behind the scenes a little on this it took them uh actually like six days uh to uh to do this whole scene of him transforming into the werewolf Uh, about 10 hours a day, applying the makeup, five hours in set, and then three hours of of removal uh, for each of the days. And because it took so long to apply and remove, there was only really enough time to do sort of one setup per day. And, uh, And Rick Baker estimated that only during this whole week of time, they only shot about a half hour of footage, actually the, uh, what you see is David slowly, you know, well, not super slow, but I mean, you see each of his things, his hands start to extend into paws, his legs extend. Uh, so he has more longer hind legs, his back arches up, uh, fur starts to grow out of his whole body. Uh, and, and that, probably the most dramatic scene is, is this animatronic, uh, head that, um, where his snout you know the wolf snout sort of breaks loose and you hear the sort of bone cracking and all that and uh it is really cool really amazing to watch one of the one of the classic scenes that that gets used from this movie in other like you know clips and compilations that that get used in different times and award shows and and uh, you know dramatic horror things and makeup shown is is david's uh character looking at his hand as it's extending to about you know two or three times its length any, uh, any, he, looking at it and screaming—it's—it's—it's it's, it's pretty incredible. They really do an amazing job, and you really, really, I think, believe by the end of it that he could transform into a wolf and look like he does. Uh, and I, I haven't seen that much, you know, ever uh, that that's kind of come you know, to really match the sort of graphicness of this, again, I think it, it, it looks somewhat in a way more believable and real and not being in a, a CGI. And I've watched a lot of other werewolf and vampire and things like that films. And and it, it, there's just something, again, about this. You know, the, I, I'll compare it to the most up-to-date, more recent things that are like the Twilight films. If you've seen any of those, and yes, I've seen them, uh, you know, the... The guys that change, you know, uh, in in Taylor, whatever his name, Lotner—that's the wolf—and there are other wolves in that movie. But they'll have him sort of running, and and then they just sort of CGI within a few seconds. Bang—he changes into this big wolf. His clothes all pop off, and it looks cool. But it. it doesn't really you you don't have this sense that he's the same guy in there you know what i mean there's something about that in this movie that really works and really makes you believe this is david poor david's going through all this pain and agony to be you know transformed by the moon into this this creature that he doesn't have any real control over and you know uh, and he you know he's an animal and he has animal instincts when he becomes that and he goes out of course on this killing spree he kills a bunch of people around uh, London and sort of eventually, you know, or pretty quickly realizes it was him. And then the next clip I have for you is is him. I think he's trying to get arrested here because he's claiming that he's the crazy guy killing these people.
0: David, stop! I'm going to the police. Jack was right. Jack is dead! Jack is dead and six people are dead. There's going to be a full moon tonight. I'm going to the cops. David, please be rational. Let's go to Dr. Hirsch. Yeah, be rational. Sure. I'm a... For Christ's sake! David! Officer! Officer, I killed those people last night. You did, did you? He's playing a silly joke. You be quiet. We had an argument with being silly. I don't know this girl. All right, you two. Move along, right? Come on, David. Come on, I want you to arrest me. It's no call for that kind of language. Queen Elizabeth
1: is a man! Yeah, I had to uh, I had to beep a few words there, a couple of rare words in the Treks and Sci-Fi podcast that I had to beep out, <laughs> but this is an R-rated movie, so, uh, it, but yeah, he can't get himself arrested. The uh, and then he's running around making all these uh, comments about uh, about what uh, you know about uh, Prince Charles and the Queen and and things like that. And actually, there's a little tag thing I think at the end of this film that was put on uh congratulating uh diana and charles on their wedding uh a little thing i think it's in the somewhere in the credits if i remember right so uh the uh interesting thing there i thought but i like the fact that he he admits to all this and he says all this stuff but he can't he can't even get himself uh can't even get himself arrested at all um the other thing about Jack's appearance is he appears to David maybe three or four times in this movie. Is each time you see him, he's more decayed. And I thought that was a really cool and interesting way to do it, where when he first sees him, it looks like he's just been attacked and he's kind of, you know, all messed up and bloody and everything. And then it looks like, you know, it's after he's been buried. So each time he appears back to Jack, he's really de- decomposing and, and kind of falling apart. And one of the last scenes, and this is I got a couple clips left to play, uh, is uh, Jack appears to him and he's really pretty much, you know, he's, he's nearly getting to slash zombie slash skeleton stage. And uh, the, the funny, and this is a funny horror, you know, combination thing here is Jack tells him, kind of waves over to David, he sees him, and he's outside this like porno theater, this adult theater, and he, and he waves him inside to talk to him. So he's got this dead friend he's seeing, along with some of the other dead people there in this porno theater and uh it, it it's just so funny because there, there there's this stuff going on on screen while he's talking to these dead people and it, it again it's 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 somewhat humorous but uh, uh about that little uh, film that's up on the screen there too uh it, it was actually made specifically. Uh, the film the, at the porno place is was made specifically for this movie. Uh, John Landis filmed that little bit of footage for the movie, uh, and rather than uh, and he doesn't shy away. You know, again, keep in mind this this is an R-rated movie. There, you know, he doesn't shy away from the nudity uh, at all. Even there's some scenes with David running around naked that uh, you see some things. So, uh, if that stuff bothers you, I you know don't watch this movie. I guess. Uh, But the funny thing about this scene, another thing about it is, is all these people that David's killed are all basically telling him, you need to kill yourself. You know, you're going to kill more people tonight, so you need to take yourself out. And they tell him all these different ways he could kill himself. And I, I thought this was kind of amusing.
0: Why are you doing this to me? Because this must be stopped. How shall I do it? Sleeping pills. Not sure enough. I could hang myself. No... No, if you did it wrong, it could be painful. You'd choke to death. So what? Let him choke. Do you mind? The man's a friend of mine. Well, he ain't no friend to me. Gentlemen. A gun! I know where you can get a gun. Don't I need a silver bullet or something? Oh, be serious, would you? Madness. Oh, a gun would be good. Yes, you just put the gun to your forehead and pull the trigger. But if you put it in your mouth, you'd be sure not to miss. Thank you. You're all so thoughtful a knife an electric shock a car crash you could throw yourself in front of a tube drowning oh.
1: yeah again you can hear there that uh you know the the combination of horror and, and comedy is is pretty uh, pretty obvious in this and 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 i think suits the movie well a couple of other little bits of trivia here that uh, I thought were interesting. One is there's a time where David tries to call home near the end of the movie and and, and basically talk to his parents because he thinks he's not going to make it and uh, he actually uses a, a real uh, phone number uh, with a Long Island New York area code rather than the usual 555 or whatever people use in movies. So I thought that was kind of cool um, to have that happen and uh, Another little side note is originally they were they had to get uh, work permits for the main actors to work in London, and and they were balking at like, the final permit for the Griffin Dunn Jack character. They said there's a lot of good young actors here in London and England that you could get uh, for this uh, movie, and John Landis really wanted Griffin Dunn, and they kind of went back and forth a little bit, and then finally he said, well, I could change the movie to An American Werewolf in Paris, change the name of it to that. And the uh, <laughs> and we could take this movie elsewhere. And then basically the, the, the you know, powers it be in, in, in England said, oh, well, you know, OK, yeah, you can come here and, and get some people, some jobs, some jobs behind the scenes and all that and and make the movie here in, in England. And, you know, because people it's money for them. So, you know, hey, work it out the end scene where the werewolf is running and rioting in piccadilly circus is was kind of unusual in that 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 little area it was um usually they couldn't get that area to film for a movie or a tv show it's a pretty busy area of london and uh, so they they actually were able to do that and they had to set that all up and take it down very quickly in like a, you know a half hour or something like that so I thought that was a cool point and and John Landis there's a lot of stuff about this movie where he had to smooth things over and you know a good director somebody who works well in on location and with people you know this just shows that he this guy knows what he's doing and uh, I thought that was kind of cool. The uh, other thing about the wolf in this movie that you don't see it a lot you see it at the end there a little bit but the the howl that you hear a few times is is both a, a real wolf ho- howl and it's also a, they blended in a little bit of an elephant actually roar or sound into that too. So that was kind of cool. I thought, uh, all right, let's play. Um, I think this is the very end clip and, and David's, uh, you know, fully transformed into the werewolf, freaking out everyone out in, 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 Piccadilly circus, uh, causing huge, you know, car wrecks and, 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 and then, you know, just going on a rampage there and you see the wolf a little bit and, uh, and then he gets sort of cornered in an alley and Alex shows up and pulls her way through the police and and, and makes her way over to, uh, to David as a wolf and, and that's the sort of the final scene of the movie. So listen to this.
0: David. They're going to kill you. David. Please, please let me help you. I love you, David. dang 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 dang
1: and that's how the movie ends with uh, with you know Alex is there crying over David's body, you know, they've been shot by the police. And then uh they cut to the credits and uh and, and play the song. So it it's it works so well for this and uh, I just think this is a great movie. If you've never really watched this movie, check it out. I'm not quite sure uh I had a copy of it at home. I'm not sure. Uh, maybe I'll look at it at a break here if I get if I take a little break before I do my quick collectible review, but uh I, it may be on netflix streaming but it's it's well worth i think watching this movie owning it even too if you like the combination of you know a little bit of a comedy in with your horror if you like seeing some amazing effects some great music good performances a solid story uh th- this is a uh, uh, is is well worth watching there was a a follow-up movie kind of uh i guess you could kind of a follow-up movie what what turns out to be is it's supposed to be a uh, um uh, the offspring, basically, uh, that Alex discovers she's pregnant. This movie came out in 1997. It was also uh, called an American Werewolf, but this time an American werewolf in Paris. Uh, really, none of the people, I think, uh, have, any, you know, having anything to do with um, an American werewolf in London, uh, were in the this movie at all. There was no even behind the scenes. I don't think John Landis uh, touched it or had anything to do with um, this movie itself. Uh, it really wasn't well-liked. Uh, it, it, unlike an American werewolf in London, which, which is very well rated like on Rotten Tomatoes, if that's the kind of thing that you, uh, listen to, uh, it, and, and pretty well received by most critics and people, uh, American werewolf in Paris that came out in 1997 based on characters, you know, some of the characters created by J- John Landis, uh, ta- star Tom, Tom Everett, Scott, Julie Del- Delpy and others. Um, I've seen this movie it's not terrible, but it is nothing like an American werewolf in, in, in London. So just to keep that in mind, I guess it had a budget, the, the one in Paris, 25 million made about 26 million. So I don't know, maybe barely made its money back. Um, but the, the premise of it again is supposed to be that it's, it's this time it's a female, uh, uh werewolf and, uh, it's, um, the uh they're supposed to be the daughter of the two of them from the london movie so anyway that's about it uh, as a look at this movie really cool a really fun movie i i remember seeing it when i first saw it way back in the day and i've seen it a couple times since so it's it it holds up well american werewolf in london and very good for the halloween time of year so a short break i'll come back with a quick collectible review and we'll wrap up today's special halloween scaredy podcast okay i am back uh i've got a collectible for you nothing exactly um halloween related but uh, or american world and london related but something that just came i got it a couple days ago and, and uh, it's something i've been wanting for a few couple years now and i finally decided to buy one uh what i got is uh it is the uh a dagger replica from the prince of persia movie from the prince of persia sands of time uh storyline this is a uh, the uh, The dagger itself is what's used in that movie uh, for turning back time, if you've seen that. I think it came out in about 20, 2010. Uh, I think the movie was okay. I enjoyed the movie. But the dagger itself, this is the one that sort of has the glass handle with the sand inside of it, and you can turn it to a, a, you know spin back time a little bit, to turn back time a little. And uh, United Cutlery, who did this piece and has done a few other replica weapons and swords and daggers and that kind of stuff over the years I, I, and stuff from Lord of the Rings quite a bit of things there. I think they do a good job. I the thing I like about United Cutlery and they did stuff from the Blade series of films and that too is that they they don't charge you know their prices are not huge or really really high or extravagant I don't think for what they produce but they do a pretty good quality job. And this has got a metal blade, uh, a nice handle on it and it's got a, uh, it's a resin based handle on the, on the hilt where it, uh, where the sand is containing and there's sand that you can tip in there and it also comes with a, like they normally do with their weapon type replicas, a little sort of wooden plaque thing that you can hang on the wall and mount it on. I'll put some pictures up, uh, on the, uh, podcast notes and on the website too of this replica, but it's a nice little piece and it was only like 80, I don't know, 85 or 86 bucks off ebay and uh i thought that was a pretty good deal i've seen it for well up into you know 125 150 uh, and so they've dropped back on on some some people seem to charge more still you just have to hunt around wait for the right auction and all and and but i picked one up and uh it came and i and i just mounted it up on the wall actually the early this morning here in the rico cave so it's a nice piece and if uh to me you know even though the you know some people didn't think the movie was that great i still think this is a cool replica a cool piece and of course this is based on a video game property too as well and uh and uh, i i like replica weapons and uh, and especially those that are not super super expensive i really still kind of kick myself because um, when that aragon movie came out uh even though the movie wasn't that great nowhere near as much fun and good as the books have been but he has a sword in the first book uh a Zarak, i think it's called is the name of the sword it's a cool replica it has a, is a different kind of look to it and a, and a colored blade uh but i still kick myself because that replica has actually become kind of hard to find it kind of expensive and rare uh and uh even though again like i said the movie wasn't that great uh, I still think the replica is cool because it's based also on on the book series, which I enjoy. Uh, enjoyed the Aragon books, all four of them that I've read. Uh, so, but uh, yeah, Prince of Persia dagger is uh, is a nice piece, and it's it's part of the collection now. So, uh, that's about that. Uh, I've uh, pretty much uh, winding this down now. I think for uh, for Treks and Sci-Fi, let's give you some sort of housekeeping things. Uh, if you want to email me treksf at gmail.com if you don't know uh you probably uh you know maybe do know that but that's how you get in touch with me again join the facebook page put a review on itunes send in a donation all links to all that kind of stuff join the forums if you want to join the forums you got to shoot me an email for that and i'll set you up with uh, whatever username that you want but uh all that can be found all that information can be found over at Treksinscifi.com. ficom so uh This is Rico Clark Kent signing off, I guess, for this Halloween 2012 edition. I hope everybody's enjoyed it. And I think we've got a little outro here from Vartok to take us out of the show this week. So uh, listen to that here in a moment. Thanks for that, Vartok, and I'll talk to everyone. I'll be back in a couple of weeks. I don't have the schedule laid out completely for beyond next week, but next week I will mention to you we will have a special guest podcast with – you're going to have alan brian back here to talk about another alien film well sort of another alien film they're going to talk about prometheus that movie that came out this summer which most people are still kind of scratching their heads about a little bit, but maybe they're going to have some insights and explain some of the movie to us. So I I, I would think so. So that's coming up next week on Treks in Sci-Fi. Uh, I'm really looking forward to listening to that. And uh, just keep an eye on the website, the forum, uh, for the upcoming schedule, uh, what's coming up in November. We're going to have some cool shows for you. I'm uh, going to have a Trek episode probably in two weeks and some other things in, uh, in store for you. So in- enjoy the upcoming podcast, and uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Hope you guys have a happy and spooky and scary Halloween. This is Rico signing off back into my Rico cave to take my slumber for the night. Bye-bye.
0: has been a Rico Dosti Halloween production. All rights reserved.